On this podcast, we talk about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. And this is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Social Antics. How are you this week, Dave? I'm fantastic. But I forgot again to... to you <laughs> forgot. <laughs> We're driving on, that's it. We're driving on, that's it. I've, oh, I've been told the three or four times now that we've uh, tried to start this again that to make sure we don't forget to introduce Owen as well, who's with us again producing. So anyway, Dave, how are you? I'm fantastic. Joy. Why? Do you want to explain that one a bit more there? Uh, Emmanuel Macron is French president once again, keeping out the racist bitch, so we're doing pretty well for ourselves. It's a good week. Good week, good week. What is he now? Another five years, I think, is it? Next five years, anyway. Next five years, and he is, if I understand it correctly, he is the first ever French president who has gained re-election whilst his party is still in office. He's doing very well for himself. Very well for himself. The main thing, the main thing is, and look, we'll get on to it later on. And I know there, I mentioned Le Pen there a minute ago, who is for those viewers who don't know, is the head of basically the national. (laughs) Yeah, Le Pen being the person you referenced as the Le Le Pen, Le Le Bic. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So, (laughs) as opposed to Le Bitch, like I said at the start. So ultimately, she has. Um, a lot of what we would consider far-right policies, which a lot of people deem to be a breach of international human rights law. So, for example, just one of the policies that she wanted to put through earlier on this year basically meant that if you had dual citizenship in France, you couldn't work for the public sector. So it was very much a French-first policy, Mm. which is just so Stone Age and Dark Age. It's absolutely incredible. So I'm a big fan, for those who haven't seen this before, even though we're both in marketing, typically speaking, one thing that drives me crazy is if you take Twitter, for example, which we get onto a while, the amount of hate and bitterness and just oh, just anger out in the world at the moment drives me absolutely crazy. And we've had Brexit, we've had Trump and all the rest of it. Le Pen or Le Bic would have been the exact same thing. <laughs> so therefore, I'm delighted that Mr. Macron has uh, has um, has gained re-election. Right, so that's enough of that. Anyway, on to business. So a couple of bits of housekeeping this week. Actually, before I do... We never mentioned, actually, I suppose, last week about why we decided to sit where we're sitting in terms of you're on that side and I'm on this side. And I think it was yourself that made the good point that it was probably where we're most where we're most comfortable. My natural home, yeah, sitting at a bar. You're, you're, you've been on that side for years, and before I kind of went into marketing, it was probably on this side a bit more. So it was so more natural to us to sit on this side of the bar. Yeah, to be fair, the first time we ever met each other, you nearly turfed me out of a bar that you were managing at the time, unjustifiably as well. Yeah. Like with my just dad, didn't we get it o- just that. didn't get it over the line. Yeah, it could no. have been it could have been a different podcast. Exactly, <laughs> I could have had someone podcast. else. Um, but this week I decided to bring the beer. So last week you did. My turn this week. So. I brought Wicklow Wolf. Um, I've started trying, I suppose, I was, as you said, mentioned last week, we're not kind of craft beer snobs or anything like that, but I started trying a few craft beers over the last year and different ones, and <laughs> what? Fucking alcoholic. I started sampling a few beverages in the, t- in the evening. I had some tasters. Um, but got, I really, really like Wicklow Wolf. They have a they have a huge range, um, but what actually caught my attention, Sucker for Marketing, caught my attention was actually the, the branding and the packaging inside in the off-license. Um, I, th- I think they're fantastic. But the beer, I have a the Wildfire Hoppy Red Ale. And what do you have? I have a Mammoth IPA. A Mammoth IPA. It's a 6%er. And just before we come on, you might probably notice if anyone watched last week, like Dave loves the descriptions um, and how they described the tasting notes and the beers and stuff like that. So I thought it was quite interesting how you were reading out your one. Do you want to give us another read there? Story time uh, with Dave I, again. I uh, actually can't because there's still beer in this can and if I tilt it, all the beer is going to fall <laughs> it out. Is, yeah, so no, I, actually. So I, actually, I actually can't. Um, but just for just to give a kind of a sense of it, it says that Mammoth IPA is the big bad wolf of West Coast IPAs, which kind of finished it off for me, to be honest with you, because that is just marketing 101. Brilliant. Nothing about, nothing about flavours or notes or anything like that. So a shed of hops gives a burst of floral, resinous pine, grapefruit and mountains of citrus fruit. This punchy IPA is supported by a strong malty backbone. Mountains. But what I thought was interesting as well, 
is I don't think we're going to crack this one open because it's uh, what did you say it was? Ten percent. Ten percent. Um, so we we might give this one a miss tonight. What is yours? We'll never there? get out here. Mine is four point six. Yeah, mine's six point two. No, 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 no. Keep it clean. Um, you're already after getting some trouble this week with the Prince Andrew joke, so keep it clean, will you? Um, so this one is a collaboration series that they do with a few uh, brands. They've done it with Drum Chambo, the Shed Distillery, but they decided to do it with uh, Number Twenty One Off License, which is on Coburg Street. So it's called Coburg Coburg Street. Uh, it's a stout, all kind of inspiration took by Cork. So it's a bourbon barrel aged raspberry imperial stout. So they threw in a bit of Raza now to keep the Cork side of it, but they're celebrating number 21, uh, 10 years in business. They started in Coburg Street. So just thought it was interesting to see the collaboration there, which is really good. Um, so yeah, so we'll enjoy the beers there tonight. So what else have we got in the news for tonight, Dave? So the first one, which I think is a bit of a, a bit of a frequent, but not, not something that I suppose would shock that many people, is that Meta or Facebook or whatever you want to call them this week um, have basically launched a European-wide campaign to start educating consumers a bit more about their glasses or the face meta glasses effectively oh, the, 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 the uh, virtual reality kind of stuff is it no it's not the oculuses no it's basically just a ray-ban uh, partnership that they have and it basically allows you to record constantly what's in front of you and then it's obviously voice activated as well so facebook take a glasses shot and it automatically snaps and it puts it up on directly onto your insta or whatever the whatever the story is so the kind of creepy thing about this, and again, obviously there is a need to do it, but again, it kind of highlights the issue as there is a point, again, where technology should just naturally stop or things should be made illegal. But it's this idea that you can walk around all day with your glasses on. And basically the campaign is about informing people who have these glasses that if you are in a vicinity whereby people may not want to be recorded mm. or if there is minors in the vicinity, you probably shouldn't be recording which the fact that they have to run the campaign yeah, shows how ridiculously creepy and intrusive the existence of the technology is in and of itself. You can already see there's just going to be huge amount of problems come out of this. But it's stupid, but why Why does one want to go around all the time recording, recording what's going on? Like, I don't, if I come home and let's say I go home to Mammy's house. Right. And I go home to Mammy's and Mammy asks me, how was your day? It's the most infuriating <laughs> question of all time because you're like, oh, I just live my day. I don't want to relive it again kind of a thing. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like, why, why like what's wrong with have just having it on your phone or whatever the story is, do you know? Um, but you can see how it can cause a huge amount of problems. Like, I mean, if like cinema, copyright, yeah. going to conferences, looking at speech, lecturing, like I mean, God forbid, yeah, you get recording what you say. If I got if I got away with what I was saying to people in the last year and a half with COVID and everything being recorded, I'm aces. I'm You're done. Right, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. But again, it just shows you that, like, if you want something to um, be disrupted within society in terms of how it actually changes people's behaviour, the idea is that you need to eliminate as much friction as possible. The idea that either one, I would buy these glasses and want to use them in the first place but put that to one side but the fact that i would have to consciously think constantly whether i am being intrusive to mm. someone else which in my mind you naturally are um or whether there was a kind of a minor around the place and i'd have to get permission and stuff like that the whole thing just doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever like it's absolutely ridiculous and look i am not and it's the two areas that have kind of there's been their big disruptors shall we say are ar augmented reality and vr virtual reality we've been talking about these for the last five six seven eight nine ten years and they still are not anyway prominent um within the marketing world business society but i don't so think it's not it's not you, it it's not even the glasses side of things i don't think anything else is set up to even to cooperate with them to to be used to be you know like when they're on about going in shopping inside in stores and being able to see what your sitting room is going to look like when you bring home the couch or you paint the walls or the dress on you you know no business is set up for this at the There's moment so, yeah there are i can see some logic in in doing it um but it's limited in terms of its application so the best example that i've seen so far is when you can go into spec savers, you don't even need the glasses. You just go to spec savers yeah, mirror, yeah. and you, as opposed to trying on loads of glasses, thing, yeah. you swipe and it shows how you look with different glasses, lenses, which if you're customizing or anything, it helps improve that process because it speeds it up, right? So, 
okay, that's an application, but it's minor yeah. enough, right? But there's no need for glass that you can just record all the time, basically. Yeah, effectively. Right, moving on. So I suppose the other little bit of news we have is um, we came to this, I suppose, with a little overarching line to kind of throw it off, and we'll, we'll come back to it next week because there was nothing really after happening uh, in terms of the Elon Musk and the Twitter scenario, but literally just 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 literally as we were about to come on and start recording it's done as we sat Deal down done. as we sat down no <laughs> yeah. new, new york times all the major uh, RTE. are saying <laughs> are saying that um, are saying that it's done and dusted and there was a statement went out yeah. saying that it's done and dusted and elon said his phone, phones are on airplane mode now so we don't know what's after happening now so look we are going ahead presuming that this is now <laughs> happening and go so cool thanks <laughs> so i suppose yeah no deal seems to be done and this podcast will come out a couple of days after the deal is done so it could be all up in the air he could have done his 14 days notice and given it back maybe but um yeah no apparently he's bought it it's done deal is done he's now mr twitter now i think it's I, it doesn't make sense um well, I love he, Scott Galloway's tweet. We mentioned yeah. him last week. That I know, no, yeah, it's not going to happen. He's bluffing. Next thing, Scott Galloway wrong again. Now, to be fair, that was based on the financing of it. Now, yeah. since he's gone in with Morgan, Morgan have cobbled together a number of banks that have actually given him the loan, and he's basically purchased, or he's gone ahead with the purchase for what we believe is to be um, somewhere between 44 and 50 billion dollars, which is grand to just you know, back at the couch, down down the sides of the couch by one of the biggest social media networks in the world. But I suppose the main, look, the main thing for me is that I fundamentally disagree with one person having complete 100% ownership over what I believe is the most powerful news platform in the world. Like we used the phrase last week, if you want a nice picture of a dog, you go to Instagram. If you want a video of a dancing dog, you go to TikTok if you're in your 60s, you go on Facebook. <laughs> Anyone who wants news predominantly yeah. is going on Twitter, Reddit to, to another extent, and there's other ones there. But it is to have someone like him who says he cares about free speech. I'm, but I'm just thinking, actually, now, when you say that, will he unban Trump? It's the first thing he'll do. He has to. So... Let me read a couple of quotes that have come out over the last kind of week or so, the last couple of days, right? So, on purchasing, he said that free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. He then goes on to say, I also want to make Twitter better than ever by enhancing the product with new features, making the algorithms more open source to increase trust, defeating spam bots, and then authenticating all humans. Now, what's important here is that my attitude is that Musk takes a very, very libertarian view of free speech Mm. in that the internet is just uncontrolled and it's a bit of a wild west. So he did an interview last week with um, TEDx and he was basically asked what the definition of free speech was for someone like him. And he said, a good sign as to whether there is free speech is, is someone you don't like allowed to say something you don't like? If that is the case, then we have free speech. Now, that is a very, very dumbed-down version of what free speech actually is. So, for example, during the pandemic, you had people who were medical scientists, doctors, chief medical officers, whatever you want to call them, people who are very, very educated in um, everything to do with pandemics, controlling pandemics, controlling um, diseases such as COVID. And then you also had Bill from down the street. And Bill <laughs> from down in the his street, for Bill from down the street hasn't a fucking iota what, and again, it goes back to the Le Pen situation, right? Which is why I think it's important that someone like Macron gets back in because he's a moderate and he'll take the information that science actually presents him with and then he will make decisions accordingly. Just a bit of a stable ship kind of a thing, yeah. Exactly. And like what you have in this scenario whereby you've basically a Wild West, like, so for example, I don't agree with racism. Based on that definition, does that mean that, let's say, football fans... If I want to, I if can. If I want to, can I go and racially yeah. abuse someone? You absolutely should not do yeah. that. If Can I say to someone that 
oh yeah, COVID is wrong and COVID is false. Yeah. I have the right to say it, but it doesn't mean that I should be getting the same airtime or my opinion should be weighted as seriously as someone who yeah. actually knows what they're talking about. And this is the fundamental problem with this whole idea of, oh, we're, we're curbing free speech and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, you can have your opinion, but that doesn't mean that things can't change. You know what I mean? Like you have people like... Um, um, what's the guy's name over in uh, over in the US who basically says that all the school shootings can be resolved by arming teachers. Yeah. Like, this is Mickey Mouse crazy fucking behavior. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And again, we're in, like, so this podcast is based in Ireland. Typically speaking... Ireland is pretty moderate. Ireland is a really, really nice place to live because Rosie our politicians... Greenfields and oh, exactly. away we go. Yeah. Our politicians, as I said, our politicians <laughs> are generally dignified. Um, we don't get involved... Minus a few. <laughs> we don't get involved in war. We've no snakes, you know, scorpions, you know, hurricanes, no earthquakes. Yeah. Go to the pub, you'd be grand. That, you know, that's kind of the environment that we operate in, right? So there where you see all this stuff going in, our immediate reaction is you people are fucking insane. Yeah. Whereas a lot of other people will say, oh no, this actually, is our this, right. this, this is, is our, our right yeah. to talk about free speeches. And this is what, and again, we've seen in countless occasions, and I, I don't want to rehash it again because we've done this to death with your Cambridge Analytica, your Brexit, the, your Trump, the power that these, it yeah. has shown that people, and even if it's only on the margins, so again, just to go back to Macron a minute ago, and this is the last time I'm actually, no, da, 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 da. <laughs> but ultimately, um, he won the election, but a 10% or 15% swing isn't that much mm. in the context of uh, you know, a, a, a straight kind of street fight, shall we say. A little bit of manipulation on your social media and you automatically the it swings the other yeah. way. People, I think, get confused whereby when we're talking about social media manipulating people, it's not manipulating everyone because a lot of people will seek out the information or whatever the case would be. But if you manipulate people on the margins who can be swayed either way and you're swaying them based on emotion as opposed to actual science logic facts, that's where you have issues emerge within society. I think ultimately. that's interesting because he, one of the things he said, like there's kind of four main things that he kind of wants to do and one of them is he wants to show if tweets have been demoted or promoted or basically is there something in the background that's deciding you know and that kind well, of goes into the whole right? but that goes into him opening up the algorithm he just wants to show this but like you know go back to the whole area of the you know the business cap on and how does twitter make money do, do you want to do that well, no, is, the, is the, twitter the, going to be still the same thing it is, is i'm, it not, going I'm not worried about the business i'm not worried about the business model because fundamentally he has bought it he has two incredible businesses in spacex and tesla i do not know why once conquering space and trying to conquer what is? <laughs> the environment, you then need to go and conquer communication as well. Yeah. In 20 years' time, we could see, we could be having this conversation. Well, no, I'd be dead. But we'll be having this conversation. <laughs> Self and Owen will still be here. That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Owen will be up here doing the interviews instead. But ultimately, we could be looking back in a number of years' time and saying, isn't he, in the same way that he changed space exploration, maybe or maybe not for the better he's trying to change the way that we travel um in terms of um in terms of consumer transport we could be looking back and saying this is the guy that actually went in broke the back on social media and democratized it but democratized it in a safe and legitimate way or we could be looking at it and going we it. thought it was bad. We thought all the horses had been let out of the gate and then he let even more horses yeah. run in and the whole thing is on fire and it's a fiery mess. So we don't really know what way this is going to go. He has said things like he's going to start verifying and authenticating users and getting rid of bots. Yeah. Very, very positive stuff. Um, but I worry about the opening up the stable door and just letting everyone run riot on these platforms. There has to be some legitimate um moderation that occurs and just to give an example if you were to put an advert or even not an advert if i was to write an opinion piece and i was to put it into a local newspaper if i am racist homophobic Someone xenophobic to... that doesn't get published yeah. or at the very to, least to... it's passed on to a guard or something like that and they deal with it because there is no moderation, typically speaking, it on these platforms, it goes out and that creates an overall kind of crowd or a swarm effect um, whereby people think that they can behave in this kind of way. And like it showed, and I know you're not into football and sports necessarily, but it showed last year when England um, lost the Euro final 
and they missed a number of penalties. It just so happened oh, that the lads your who man, missed... Yeah, your man got ridiculed, didn't he? Racist behaviour, yeah. just absolute abject racism. And we know that this is a part of culture, but if there is no punishment, it legitimises it. Now, Oof. I'm not saying for kind of a Wild West scenario again, but my point is that if there's no punishment and no moderation, that's dangerous. Well, following on from that, when you talk about the change area and the kind of moderation... One of the big areas he talks about, and he's put up polls on Twitter um, and the whole area of, you know, do we want an edit button on Twitter? Now, I'm looking at him putting out this kind of stuff, and next thing it's all coming back up to the surfaces in the media for the last couple of days. He did not start this. This is something I'm on. I got a thing during the week that I'm 10 years now on Twitter. You know, I felt very special. I got my little anniversary badge. Didn't share it, though. But since I've been on Twitter, I've been looking for and trying and watching articles and seeing people talk about an edit button it's not something he's trying to bring in but i do think it is interesting that the possibility of this is going to come in now we talked there about the tweet it's kind of in the moment it's gone and it's out is there a reason to edit it no but if someone makes a mistake and makes a boo-boo and says something really bad in terms of a racist comment they'll either delete it but like if you edit it you still said it it's still out there someone screenshotted it especially if you're in some sort of a public figure role do you know yeah like when we're talking about editing people are probably talking about oh i'm working in marketing i, I made a spelling mistake <laughs> there's a big difference between that and then retroactively yeah. but you can't do that though because but what i thought was interesting is we put it out and a couple of people now have come back and said they would so i don't think it's a simple as i don't think it's a simple yes or no answer i think there has to be a couple of things around it so like if you're putting an edit button i do think there has to be some sort of this has been edited or an edit you know and even see the history i've seen somewhere someone said like it should only be available for an hour so like oh, i'm thinking back no, to something i said two no, years ago i can go back no, and edit that, that doesn't then just delete it the problem here is that if if you post something and it's racist or it's inflammatory or it's defamatory whatever you want to say and i retweet whatever you say for whatever reason if you then change the content of that i am then as the retweeter being misrepresented because the content that I have retweeted has changed. Either that or you've got two different messaging streams. This stuff isn't as easy as, as he's going to make it. Not a yes and this, and no this idea of having an open source um, platform so people can see the way things are going, that's not going to be easy. Do you know? Now again, if there is someone who can do it from a technical perspective, I would absolutely say it is probably Elon Musk and the people that he works with. My issue is what is the ideology or the culture that he is now going to bring to twitter in terms of what is his definition of free speech and what does that actually mean in practical terms i'm sure trump will tell him oh yeah i can imagine yeah this this is the problem like he's back yeah he's back he's running again big joe big joe joe's in trouble well look we'll see look as we said this this podcast going out a couple of days after a potential deal has been done has been done we don't know we could be totally wrong yeah. we could make an absolute fool of ourselves which would be the first time i think just, uh, just on that again and just to wrap it up because i think it brings things together so i found a quote and they kind of set out almost like a mission statement for musk or whatever what his, what his mission should be going into kind of this this purchase and they said his mission should be to remove bigotry and conspiracy theories that are harmful to our information ecosystem threaten public health and safety and undermine democracy if that's a mission statement that he has then all your free speech and stuff like that can follow afterwards but if the mission is wild west uncontrolled internet i think that's incredibly dangerous yeah 100 percent so in more joyous news, I suppose, um, this week... This better be good now. Oh no! Well, no, you won't like it. Right. But Ogilvy, one of the biggest ad agencies in the world, basically said that they are no longer going to run any campaigns whereby um, an influencer has edited their appearance via Photoshop or anything like that. Too right. So I presume you're pretty gutted that a lot of your business is going down the swan. No, I don't, I don't like, use influencer marketing. Oh no, I was I, I, no, I was talking for... about your model range that what? you do yourself. You got... <laughs> Neck down. <laughs> yeah. Is that what they're actually doing, is it? Yeah, they announced it there earlier on. So basically what they said is that... Oh, That's a huge they, wallop. Yeah, you know it is, but it's one of two things is that either one, they just don't support it at all or in the same way that if you put content in it, you have to have hashtag ad. Mm. Like, so we are not being paid by Wicklow Wolf to drink their beer hashtag so this not is ad. not a hashtag ad whereas if they were paying us 
or any sponsor worth paying us and if any sponsor would like to get in touch <laughs> with us um, that would Don't then do be do that piece to camera that's it, yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would then be hashtag ad so <laughs> so in this particular scenario what they're basically saying is that either um, they stop using influencers who doctor their photographs yeah. or it has to be which I think is really really clever you have to identify I've, within the ad that you have doctored I've touched I've touched image. myself up I've touched me no that's a different that's a different thing entirely if you if, if you say that you do that you're on the, you're on a hiding to nothing depending on what you're promoting of course of course of course um the last bit of news, I suppose, you've actually kept it fairly quiet, which I'm very, very surprised of, but you got no award this week. Oh, yeah, I got an award. Well, I, I, so did, I, 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 did, now, I know I'm big enough up a little I bit did, here. I didn't, I didn't get an award. One of my clients got an award yeah. for the yeah. big, 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 biggest, biggest and best SME in um, in the region that where we are, which is Cork. <laughs> the best SME in Cork. It's good to get the other awards, isn't it? Bring it in next week and we put it up on Put up on the shelf. Put up on the shelf, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. What yeah. about it, Hashtag not ad. <laughs> so the last thing we're going to talk about, uh, the last area we're going the to talk about. The last thing, which is going to take up the half the episode, yeah. Well, I hope so, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope so. But um, a lot of talk this week around uh, Netflix. And basically, not that they're on the decrease, but their subscribers are down and they're looking at ways of fixing their whole model and trying to get some money back in and all that kind of area. So they're, they're getting a bit of a... A bit of a going this week over the last couple of days. Um, was it two hundred thousand subscribers? They're down. Yeah. So effect effectively, no, it's more than that. Is so it? effectively, um, last week only they had a drop off of their overall market capitalization of thirty five percent. Since the start of the year, they have lost sixty two percent of their overall market capitalization, which is an absolutely extraordinary number. Number, particularly when. Netflix was kind of the like obviously your Amazons, your Metas, and so on. So, but Netflix were in that ballpark, right? In terms yeah. of maybe not there, but could get. Well, that's there important eventually. to say, right? So, like, probably what's probably the latest one on the scene, the, the big ones, would say Disney Plus. Amazon was out before it, wasn't it? If I'm right, I'm saying. Yeah. So, but for a long time, like that's what we're only talking in the last five, six years, maybe even that. How oh, Disney only launched last? Year. Last, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But even Amazon, we'd say the last five years, all of them to get in. But Netflix were dominating before that for so long. But this is the see, this is the funniest thing. I think this is what's important to highlight. They are still dominating. Yes. So in terms of the global on-demand market for uh, streaming TV shows, movies, and so on and so forth, Netflix still we reckon estimated still have about forty-five percent of the overall market share. Now, what's important here is that Netflix have said that there's a slowdown in terms of user acquisition, so there's not as many new users signing up to the um to their app as would have been previously but more importantly they're predicting that they're going to lose a further two million users this quarter now the seven hundred thousand there are possibly russian but ultimately they they, they came out with a statement that basically blamed blamed everything under the sun apart from obviously of course it's nothing to do with us kind of a thing you know it was as you mentioned there there's the audience is not there. There was they were talking about um decrease in, in income and, and living. Uh yes, Russia was a big one that they mentioned. But I agree with them. If you look at their platform, it is by far and away the best out of all the streaming platforms. By ad, in terms of cultural impact, in terms of quality of content, the artificial intelligence that they have built into the system itself, do, which I Disney do. still haven't cracked. Um the range and choice that's available to people. Um, and I think they're almost... The the problem that they have is that, in my mind, their main competitors that they're going up against have a lot of assets to leverage off, whereas Netflix is just a streaming platform and a content creation house. So what do I mean by that? If you take um, Prime, in the US in particular, and... So everyone knows across the world, inflation is going to the roof. People do have less um, mm-hmm. uh, less money to spend things on. And during a pandemic, when someone might have just had, or when someone would have had a Netflix, a Disney, a Prime, yeah. Hulu, HBO Plus, now they're scaling back and they're I'm, just I, getting I, I Netflix. Even, I even whatever. done it after hearing this during the week. Do you know, I, I have um, Netflix... Disney Plus. No, no, no. You don't have Disney Plus. You have my that, password yeah. for Disney Plus. So <laughs> Shh, go on don't anyway. let them know. That's what I'm going to come in here in a minute. Coming in here criticizing Netflix and he's the fucking reason why they're losing all of their market share. But like that then, I give my password of Netflix to it's other people. 
It is actually nice, isn't it? Um, but like I would count in there like Spotify as well. Um, I'm trying to think is there anyone else? But like no, but even Spotify's music. But for consuming content, oh, entertainment kind of in general, yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. So like if you look at all of these platforms, like you're racking up a bill of the guts of nearly fifty quid a week, or sorry, a month. Like oh, you know, especially more. if you're on it's the Amazon, you're using all these. Yeah, I don't yeah. use it. But then, like, you know, they're talking about there's a cheaper alternative and all this kind of stuff. But, like, throw all that in and then you do go to a cinema. Like, it's easily on the entertainment side stuff, 100 quid a month. It is quite expensive. And that's what a lot of people, as you just mentioned there, a lot of people are going to be looking at it as their overall spend. So, like, it's going to be which one's going to be culled over the other. Now, when you look at Netflix, I'm, I'm very much of the opinion at the moment, I kind of toss between them all. I can never, I'm not fully satisfied with any of them, you to be honest. toss between them all yeah. carry on just so the users just so the, just so the listeners noted that he tosses between them all carry on there Dave what's wrong with that <laughs> carry on the users I the, browse the listener, I browse our listeners will get it I, won't let it in. I browse between them all um, and actually I was what carry on no carry on you're fine but I'm not fully happy with any of them and I don't think there's there is some good content coming out on Netflix the, the, the reason I'd be on Disney Plus is more so the the previous stuff that they would have the older stuff I think it's a much better choice there but like are any of them absolutely blown me away no I don't think so no nah, it's phenomenal some of the content Netflix some, is some of it incredible some of it so if you say so let's 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 go down through so let's go down through ones. a few different different examples right and this is why I say what's important here is that Netflix traditionally was never, they were never storytellers. They were never content creators. They were curators. They would take movies yeah. from elsewhere. Now they are creators and they are some of the best creators in the world. As far as I'm concerned, even Amazon Prime, who have by far and away more resources because it's Amazon than Netflix do, they haven't cracked the original content stuff yet. Whereas I actually think that, um, actually the Netflix have, their main problem is that they're going up against Disney, who are in terms of history, legacy, yeah. the biggest and best content and if creators you have ki- in the world. if you have kids in the house, you're probably going to keep Disney because they have that back catalogue that, that they have held on to and never released oh yeah, anywhere. Absolutely. And they're acquiring more, so they've now got, like if you look at, okay, the, big, the biggest Wars, series the big in the last 20 years of Star Wars, in the last 10, it's Marvel. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. they have that. But if you're going to look at just the content that's been created, so let's look at a few of them. So one, and I sat down last week and I watched the Jimmy Savile documentary, which by the way, everyone should be forced to watch just on the basis of an absolute, it demonstrated an absolute failure in um, uh, social justice, failure in policing, failure in the media in and of itself. Like you're looking at the documentary going, lads, how the fuck didn't she realize that this was going on? And people should be actually forced to watch it just because it actually demonstrates um, what happens when your institutions of state don't yeah. do their fucking job. It's yeah. uh, like I was watching it with my um with my housemate, and we were both sitting there absolutely sickened by the old documentary. But anyway, so again, culturally very very relevant should have an impact. Um, in terms of other things that they've created, making a murderer mm. created a yeah. huge amount of um controversy over in the UK. Um, uh, there was another documentary they did, which actually. Um, slips my mind. I think it was called Eighteen or something like that, where it um, exposed racial injustice in America, where there was a certain quite large percentage of the um, black population who were in prison in relation to others, and it exposed some of the hypocrisy that was going on there. So that's all Netflix oriented content. They've also done something which, not from a factual perspective, from an entertainment perspective, is quite interesting, is that they borrow quite a lot from international filmmaking cultures mm. cultures, and make them relevant to their audience. So, for example, Squid Game was uh, developed in South Korea. And just to look at the statistics around that, so within 10 days of its release in um on Netflix, it was the number one show in 90 different countries. And that's a... That's a South Korea thing. <laughs> uh, he's looking at us there now going, you fucking bastards. But anyway, the, by the way, I've gone way over again. Kicking in. For, for people who don't know this at all, generally speaking, we go by BBC rules in that I'm allowed four fucks and three cunts in the hour. But anyway, we've gone way above that this evening. So... That drink is right, stuff. <laughs> oh, stuff is a lot. Um, other ones then as well. Money Heist was produced in mm. Spain. Very, very popular. Elite produced in Spain. So there's a huge amount of content that they've curated over the last um, 
over the last kind of number of years. And if I compare that to their competitors, it blows them out of the yeah, water. Yeah, look, no, I do agree with you. The, the content they're bringing out is fantastic. It is a league above their own, but I'm just talking about the overall, it just becomes kind of stale in all the platforms. So, the, But one thing I will say is, as you already mentioned there, the whole area of this kind of machine learning, the personalization, the algorithms, Netflix are on point. They know exactly. You can guarantee that you're going to go on. You're going Whether you want to watch it or not, you're going to be fed something that, would be of interest if you're in the mood to watch it you know that kind of thing yeah, yeah no, so they are fantastic in that um and way ahead of the others but like i was looking up even ways that they tried to grab in you know customers outside of can i tell a joke before you move on well, the joke is very funny so they use the artificial intelligence you know when they're doing their so if you watched a certain movie and you clicked out of it midway through, they kind of note that, okay, this was the context of that movie. They don't like that kind of movie. We're not going to recommend that again. So, and I do it for my students. Um, I do it for my students every year, which happens when the AI doesn't work effectively. And it basically, it was this case study whereby someone went and watched um, A Bug's Life. Right. And then because the AI wasn't mature enough yet and because it was coded very, very badly, afterwards when they came back out into the main homepage, it was because you watched A Bug's Life, um, we recommend that you watch The Human Centipede as well. <laughs> Which is a fantastic... A, a, a totally different film. <laughs> not, a, not a children's movie. Not a children's Pixar one, no. didn't create The Human Centipede, most certainly not. Anyway, you were saying... So, Brenda. <laughs> um, no, I was just saying... Moving on from The Human moving Centipede. Moving on very, very quickly. The whole area of machine learning, I think, is fascinating, and I think they are definitely on point with it. I think of all the probably platforms that I use, Netflix are up there. Like I think they're even better than Spotify. Sometimes they're better than all these kind of platforms. I think. Um, I was actually looking there. It was the whole area of that. Um, that forty to fifty clicks is what it takes an average person to find something they want to watch. You know. I so obviously, it. when you look at that, as we talked about before, in terms of even the algorithms across social media. Every time that click for anyone that does not, every time you make a move or you look at something or you pause on something or you watch an ad, whatever it is, literally these platforms are, they're learning what you like. They're literally piling data on you. And and that's where it becomes incredibly powerful. So like you can imagine how powerful this is when it comes to areas of advertising. So like where we would start kicking in is like, you know, trying to tap in, I suppose, into this data. So to date, I suppose... Netflix has kept, obviously, you know, they, they haven't done advertising. They Correct. haven't looked at it any. But I think now there's talks that is this a way they're going to go? That to start making up the money, start making up the numbers, are they going to have to start feeding ads? And I think, me personally, if you're paying for a platform like this, it's like YouTube, for example. You get fed the ads, you know what you're getting yourself in for because you're not paying for it. But if you go pay for it, you get rid of the ads, same as Spotify. I'm already paying for Netflix. I do not want to be shown any ads. So there's talks now of whether they start showing ads or the other option is they start increasing the prices, which they do every couple of years anyway. Do you know? So now it's, that's yeah. where it's starting to rank up the prices again. So like, what do you think to do? Should they start showing ads? Um, so I think for those who are on the higher subscription, which is 15 quid, right? Something around that, it's, it's not like So for 15 quid, you should not have any ads or anything even remotely close to it. The beauty of... Netflix versus traditional network television or Sky and so on and so forth is that there's no advertising. And even from a storytelling perspective, Netflix is... So I remember a number of years ago, Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of um, of Netflix, or the owner of Netflix, said that um, their biggest competitor is sleep. Yeah. In that if people are binging constantly... They're and you see, we've all been there, right? Where we're, We've worked the next day... They're students and they're coming to my lecture. They, I'll, they turn I'll start on something. the series. Next thing you're five episodes into series to our and season it, two. And it's, and, it's, and it's five o'clock in the morning ultimately, yeah. right? So there is, um, for me, they need to create, they need to keep that immersive experience. Now, I would say that in some international um, cultures, and we mentioned a minute ago, particularly in the US, where uh, their customers can leverage against the other competitor products to get a better yes. product overall. They're so not for example, yeah. So, for example, if you take Disney Plus, if someone is a subscriber to Disney Plus, Disney has the ability to sell them their parks, their hotels, their resorts. They can sell them the blockbuster Star Wars movie or Marvel. So, for, so we went to see Batman um, with one other guy, was it last week? 
it cost us probably it's in the range of quid a ticket, yeah. and then you've got food on top of that. Overall, you're probably talking about seventy quid. If you wanted to, you could probably have a scenario whereby you've got Disney um, selling someone uh, two weeks before Star Wars comes into the cinema. The next Star Wars film, you get that film for twenty quid for a family. All of a sudden, it's worth. But they the done it, sure. Even they done it. We t- I think we talked about. They the, did it with the, Mulan. Uh, no, they done it with um, the Black Widow one, and they got an awful yeah, yeah. trouble for it. Well, they got in trouble for it, but ultimately it works, right? Yeah. Because it's another way for them to generate revenue. In the same way that if you've got kids. And you're within any kind of a relatively big driving range of um, of one of the parks. The idea of you paying that subscription, but then you get access to the launch of the new Star Wars land or whatever the case may be, is a value add for you. Because and the, the, the other company they're up against is Amazon Prime. There is a natural value add there in that you get your 24-hour shipping and all the rest whatever, of it. Yeah. So there are, add, there are added value products that come with the competitors that they're up against. Netflix don't have that. Mm. They just have the content that they are providing to their customers. So therefore they do have to change their business model somewhat. And other brands are experimenting with this as well. Disney have started looking at um, at advertising on the platform. Now, what I think is that people who historically have used Netflix without ads, they cannot now be served ads. Mm. If they do that, they will kill off their user yeah. base entirely. Whereas could you offer a lower level subscription? So maybe two to maybe three to five euros a month as opposed to your 15, and those customers get ads. That would possibly be something that people could stomach because then they have the choice of going in at the lower rate and where they get access to all the stuff, but it's with ads, or you can go for the higher rate whereby you don't get any ads at all. That is something that I think could work. The other thing that they can do is they can create more value per customer. So they're talking at the moment about um, stopping people sharing passwords. Mm. Again, you have my (laughs) password for Disney, not Netflix, to be fair. But again, it's the exact same idea. So I think that there is an avenue there for Netflix to generate a huge amount of consumer or market value through advertising on their platform but how they do it is critical so it doesn't interrupt the storytelling experience a new subscription needs to attract customers who wouldn't be on netflix previously as opposed to interfering with the experience of their current consumer base would be my thinking so i think in the whole area of adverts that's what we need to look at like in terms of it's like the whole area of the cinema right if we go in the morning as marketers and we're going to look to put an ad into the cinema we start looking at what's out time of day the audience and and i f- i think and i still think uh it's a very underrated um platform for marketers for cinema adverts it's, it's just not utilized but it's it's the only uninterrupted media out there and netflix will start going that way you know if it starts becoming big screen tvs and all this kind of stuff it already is sorry but you know i think the ads have to then be fit in with once again the genre the audience that's being shown and that's where it can become incredibly powerful for you know people in, in our game in terms of marketing so i do think that it, it will become a way to offer it but me as a consumer i just don't want that yeah i know none of us want ads, and again i think that's why you're offering it to a different type of consumer i think it's either someone who's on maybe less income um, and wants it as an alternative to your kind of traditional network kind of stuff um or maybe students and things like that who haven't mastered the art of streaming yet, or, or they don't have very good Wi-Fi or something like that. Joe, mm. it's not again. I don't think it's a big audience in Europe. I think in the US it could be quite effective. But what's interesting then when you say advertising, and there's two different things here. There is native advertising, which is content that they can curate in local markets, mm-hmm. and then there is also advertising which is interruptive. Okay, so. If we look at, and I just picked it out beforehand, two different um, kind of case studies. Um, one was Drive to Survive, which is the Formula One documentary, and the other one is The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary. Mm. So after the airing of the first episode of the Jordan documentary, sales of Air Jordans are up about 40% in terms of volume on StockX yeah. alone, and the average final bid price also increased substantially across all um, Air Jordan ranges, effectively. So that's one case study, and it worked. The more interesting one, I think, is the drive to survive, because that is over the last four years where they've um, where they've created that documentary series. And just to look at some of the data around it, so... 
More than 400,000 um, turned up for last year's US Grand Prix. One million more watched the race on television. And the overall ratings for the season are up more than 40%, making it the most watched F1 season in America, which again is... So it's, there's a direct correlation there between viewership on Netflix and the actual impact in terms of, um, in terms of consumer engagement. So the sport also added an estimated 73 million fans last year in markets including Brazil, China and France. So new markets that they hadn't really gone into before in terms of the F1 specifically. Um, and according to Nielsen, um, it also sparked a massive fan spike in the ever coveted 16 to 35 year old demographic who have disposable income and they spend money. Um, and in particular, Nielsen showed that 77% of the growth that I've just kind of listed out was attributed to that age group. So that shows you, and this was two examples, Drive to Survive and also the, um, uh, the Last Dance Jordan documentary. They almost give a behind the scenes look and they tell the stories in a certain way whereby it adds a huge amount of brand equity to those brands that could not be achieved on mm. TikTok, YouTube, and that because it's not long form. And that type of immersive, in-depth kind of feeling that consumers will get which resonates them can only come from something like a netflix show whereby again it's on the big screen maybe not on the big screen maybe it's on your phone but if it's on your phone you probably got your headphones in again it is way more immersive than your tiktok which is 10 seconds so the value that could be added from them creating native content i think has already been proven i think you might have something coming in there whereby there is more domestic native content being produced. So, for example, Irish-orientated content or England-orientated content, which focuses on, for example, a documentary on Camden Market. Do you know, wasn't and that, that, wasn't drive... that actually part of something that they had to produce so much? Kind of, yeah. To be yeah. operating in the in the certain countries or the EU or because I remember it was something. It's not, but... so it's curated. So it's what appears on the on the platform as opposed to what they develop themselves. Yeah. So Squid Game, curated. Yeah, but you could also yeah. produce your own stuff if you wanted yeah. to create a kind of a native a way to do that native form of um, form of advertising. But then also you have, if you've all this data in terms of what people are interested in, you can create ads and content mm. that aren't really disruptive that are actually valuable based on the data and the AI that's running through Netflix in and of itself. So I think it's a it's a really really good opportunity for marketers and advertisers. But I would really really hope that. Netflix don't ruin their platform through yes. um through using that um through creating an advertising platform that effectively damages the storytelling experience. So look, we keep an eye, I suppose, on what way they overtake it. But I suppose like looking at everything we kinda of talked about tonight, it kinda of just shows you that that there really is a, a change in technology. It is always changing, but like really even in the last couple of weeks, like it's going to be change it's going to be topsy-turvy again like it's going to be thrown on its head again I and mean, it's only going to be to see what way it goes over the next couple of weeks with Elon taking over the world Macron trying to steady the ship on this side I think it's more <laughs> yeah it's more it's more like it's Donald Trump will be back on Twitter Donald Trump will be back on Twitter yeah. um, I think it's more the it's more what the disruption is going to happen over the next kind of I say months rather so than weeks like in reality this was always going to happen after two years of a pandemic, right? Like, like the world yeah. just stagnated. Awakening back up again. Yeah. yeah, and like, I mean, even I saw a report earlier on that said that um, online sales have now pretty much reverted to their pre-COVID levels mm. um, in the UK. So, like, you went from 10% to 12% disruption in certain categories to 30, 30%, 40%, and now all of a sudden you're slowly reverting back. So, again... There is a lot to be said for the lived experience that people want. Um, but I do think that this change, again, I really, really hope for our sake that this takeover has gone through <laughs> just for the sake <laughs> of this episode. Because um, otherwise this is going to sound really, really stupid to people listening on a Thursday. It could be issuing um, an apology next week. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I think between, like, a lot of these tech companies maybe starting to struggle in certain instances... Others are going to start innovating um, and Netflix are struggling and are going to have to yeah. innovate. Um, you've got um, the likes of Prime who are constantly innovating. You've got Twitter who are going to have to innovate because Musk obviously has quite a lot of his own money in this and Tesla isn't exactly a, a bucket full of cash at the moment. It's all it's market cap money as opposed to free cash flow. So I think that 
there is a there is a lot of disruption that is going to happen over the next 12 to 18 months. Now, maybe it's just a flash in the pan um, and it's just a lot has happened in a short space of time. It is. But, but it really but, feels yeah. that there's momentum in terms of change happening here. Yeah. And once again, like everything we've mentioned, as you've already kind of said, it's not like you know, low-level companies or startup companies are kind of hitting the scene. The take over. These are all the big ones. Like, you know, we've already made uh, tonight alone, like Netflix, Twitter, Meta, you know, they're all the big ones. And they're going to be, look, we haven't spoken about it yet, but there's a huge amount that's going to happen, well, maybe or maybe not, in the next number of years in terms of cryptocurrencies, NFTs, metaverse, whatever the fuck that is. We yeah. haven't really defined that yet. Um, metaverse for the pub, will we? There we go. That's it, yeah. Changes. <laughs> Sell off a bit of land over there. Sell off a bit of land over there. If anyone wants to buy an NFT of a photo of us in the bar, then send me thousands. an email. Absolute huh? thousands. I think we should do it. Not with us. They wouldn't, no. It Give wouldn't. it a go. No. A good experiment. Um, no. Maybe me by myself. Will you stay on Twitter now? With Musk? Mm. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm on WhatsApp, Instagram, and Facebook, despite the fact that they're owned by the Antichrist, so I'm perfectly happy to stay on Twitter. Um, but, you, like, you have to, right? I'm not, I don't really believe in these, um, I don't really believe in these kind of bottom-up societal orientated revolutions in relation to tech companies it's like someone he's it's almost bottom up but he's he's, it, he's bottom up but he's yeah top exactly, down one yeah. way but it's the other like it's like someone i remember i had um like a colleague used to say it to me if you've got a left-leaning attitude or a socialist or critical thinking way of looking at things um but yet you're tweeting from an iphone then what are you talking about yeah, and i'm yeah. like well, no, because I'm going to buy an iPhone because what other fucking choice do I have? Yeah. It's the same thing in relation to your social media. I'm not just going to go off WhatsApp because I'm a little bit annoyed with what Mark and Cheryl are doing to people in terms of we've been through this before. But the fundamental key here is it's going to be very, very interesting for, again, for marketers, yes, but more so for society. Again, we talked about um, Macron. Just do the outro with that. Yeah, ultimately, yeah. Um, but again, there was a right-wing nutjob nearly got in. Again, same thing's going to happen in 2024 in the US where Trump is probably going to go for re-election again. No doubt about it. And again, unless we have learned from the past whereby we just let these social platforms have no guardrails at all, then we're in for a rough, rough five, ten years. We really, really are. But we'll end it on a happy note. Give us da, a happy da, note. Da, so. da, 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 literally a note. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. Uh, thanks very much for watching again you can follow us on social media thanks to Owen for producing it for us uh, subscribe keep up to date and all that jazz and we'll see you again next week take care good luck lads <laughs>